Hello and welcome to the Red Mist podcast with myself, Brian Griffiths. And today I have a very special guest on, Sachin Nakrani of The Guardian. Uh, welcome. Thanks for having me on. All right, so a little bit of background as to why um, my uh, my humble podcast has a such a um, storied guest. Um, basically, uh, on Twitter, uh, I'd complained that I couldn't, I hadn't been uh, hearing him on podcasts recently, and he he said that he'd hung up his uh, LFC podcasting boots. Um, so I said uh, with a cheeky grin, literally in an emoji, um, "Well, I'm going to start podding. Would you would you be on my show?" and to my surprise, he replied, and even more surprised, he said, be my pleasure, mate. So, actually, he may not have said mate. I think it was just be my pleasure. <laughs> well, it said, yeah, I can't, I, yeah, we were talking off here. I can't quite remember the conversation, but no, very, very happy to be on. Always, always very kind to be asked to, to do these kind of things and always happy to talk about Liverpool. So, it is a, indeed a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. All right. So, first of all, um you grew up in the Wembley area so um people ask me this a lot because obviously I have a southern accent too how did you uh become a Liverpool fan well actually well maybe maybe like yourself as well it came from my my dad who um grew up in in Kenya in Africa uh he was part of the Asian community out there and when he grew up uh sort of back in the sort of 50s and 60s uh i guess specifically the 60s he used to work as a car mechanic out there and there was a team based there was like a sort of league thing going on i've never i've never drilled into the specifics of this but it was kind of like an amateur league thing going on near the garage where he used to used to work and there's a team in there that wore all red called liverpool and uh, he just sort of developed a soft spot for them so just started supporting them on quite a casual level i don't think it was like a fanatic and as it was a pretty pretty minor tin pot league but anyway, he moved to this country with the rest of his family, my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents, in the early 70s, 1971, and discovered that uh, the Liverpool he'd been supporting in Kenya were based on an English team uh, who were far more successful and far more established. So he transferred his allegiances over to you know, the Liverpool. Uh, I was born in 1981, got into football around 1989 when I was eight. Um, and I remember sort of being at school and asking, asking kids in my, my class, you know, who should I support? They all supported various teams. And, you know, it's one of those kind of real sliding door moments. There was just one kid, I can't remember exactly who he was, but he said to me, you know, you support the team your dad supports. So I went home that day, said to my dad, who do you support? He said, Liverpool. Um, and that was it. Immediately just became a Liverpool supporter. I didn't really know what that meant because I genuinely <laughs> didn't know how good they were at the time. Um, but I thought, that's fine, I'll pick, I'll pick them. Um, and obviously that was the season, actually, the, the, the very famous season that we uh, missed out on the league title on the last day to Arsenal, the Michael Thomas goal. Yeah. Um, and that's probably my first really strong football memory because half my family are Arsenal fans because those uncles who came with my dad who weren't into football when, when they were out in Kenya supported, you know, just sort of um, manoeuvred towards Arsenal because we all, you know, everyone came to London. My dad and a few of his brothers who'd liked football out in Kenya you know, were Liverpool supporters. And then that game, the famous Michael Thomas game, the 2-0 game, May the 26th, 1989, the date that's um, uh, very much sort of burnt into my consciousness and my, my memories, was uh, we watched that as an entire extended family together at one of my uncle's house, who, one of the uncle's sports, Arsenal. And uh, I burst into tears when uh, the final whistle blew and Liverpool had blown the league. But that was also kind of the moment I really recognised how much I supported the team. Because I think up until then, I didn't, I sort of associated myself with Liverpool, but I didn't really know what that meant. But that moment, 
when I, you know, when I re- when it really hurt that we lost, you know, as an eight-year-old, that's when I thought, hang on, I, I really love this team, and uh, yeah, been supporting them thirty years since. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Just, I love the, the origin. Uh, so, when you asked your dad who he supported, did he mean the uh, Liverpool in the UK or did <laughs> the one back back in? Yeah, Kenya? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I never really asked him. I guess, no, I guess, <laughs> I guess he must have meant the English one. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, and it was funny because you know, it's after the Thomas game, Michael Thomas game, everything. I really, you know, absolutely fell in love with the team, and, and I was quite soon after I was really keen to go watch them live and I you know I said to my dad can you take me to Anfield to, to watch them and he was like no chance they're miles away um so um I didn't realize in the geography of it I didn't realize you know Liverpool was this city way up in the northwest of England and we were living in the south of England um so actually the first game I went to I went with my uncle who lives in the Midlands who's a, who's a Liverpool fan as well he's sadly died in 2006 but he took me to me and um his son my cousin we went to Liverpool Blackburn um 12th of December 1992. Um, it was a big game, actually. It was uh, Kenny Dalglish's first game back at Anfield after he'd left the year before, after his shop yeah. resignation. Uh, so it was a huge game. So given my uncle, he wasn't a season ticket holder or anything like that. I'm not quite sure how he got three tickets, but yeah, he got three tickets. So he drove up from the Midlands for, as I said, quite a big game. Um, and we're in the Anfield road end. And yeah, we won 2-1. Uh, Mark Walters, might be a name not many of your listeners will remember, uh, had quite a fleeting career at Liverpool, didn't make a huge impact, but he did score two goals on that on that occasion, either side of an Alan Shearer volley. And yeah, just a yeah, great moment. You know, again, really kind of fueled my desire to to or fueled my love for the club because, you know, to be in the stadium and, you know, just it was just a you know, you know, that first moment when you sort of step through the turnstiles and step into the ground and all that stuff, it really did grab hold of me and um I sort of vowed then that I wanted to to come back as often as possible. Unfortunately, I'm in a position now to do that, and I've been doing it on a pretty regular basis for yeah quite a while, quite a while now. So, sort of since about 2003, I've been going pretty regularly. Wow. Yes. Do you remember that game that vividly then? Um, the Blackburn or... game. Yeah. Not really. No, I remember little things. I remember yeah. in the car journey up. The one thing I said to my uncle was, I want to buy a woolly Liverpool hat. It was just <laughs> real kind of almost more than the game. I wanted to get a woolly Liverpool hat and. Back then, there was, um, I mean, now there's two mega stores at Anfield, two absolutely enormous merchandise stores and other little other little merchandise stores around the ground. Back then, the official club <laughs> shop was, a shed. Was, yeah, yeah, it was literally a shed. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was you know, a little hut. Um, and I, just, I, I have a vivid up. memory of that because I remember it was the year I went up there and I can't, I can't remember if we were going to a game, but I went to that shop and it had that yellow away kit um, with Carlsberg on it. Like it was like a kind of mustardy yellow with like a black. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that would have been a few years later, wasn't it? I think. It was yeah. CD and it still was in that shed and you could just buy yeah. photos and that was it. And, and some kit. It's amazing how much has changed. Isn't how it? much has changed. Yeah. Sorry, I cut now, you off there. What you, you were saying. No, yeah, exactly. Just this tiny shed. That, that's one memory that really sticks in my head. And I got, I got the hat that I wanted. And then, I, yeah, I can't remember the details of the game, really. I just, yeah, we, I just remember being in there and watching the cop. I mean, I wanted to be in the cop, but actually not being in it was almost kind of good as well because I was able to see it. You know, this was the old standing cop as well before it became all-seater. To see it in its full glory was, was absolutely brilliant. And just, I don't remember the specifics, but I just remember being in, being in the ground and immediately thinking, this is something I want to do again and again and again it was it wasn't a letdown in any way and um yeah i can't remember the detail i mean alan Shearer, mark walter scored both goals at the cop end so they were the opposite in the ground so i don't remember like the you know i've seen i've seen highlights obviously since but i don't remember at the time 
appreciate the goals, just sort of ball going in there and, and celebrating. Alan Shearer's goal was at our end at Yanfield Road, and I do, I do remember that being a really good volley. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's hard at that stage. I mean, it was I was eleven, I think, but um, I don't remember specifics. But I do remember coming out the ground thinking, yeah, I want to do this over and over again. Yeah, I think it's the same with my um, my first game was uh, QPR away, um, and um, I, I don't I, I had to look it up like years later. I can't remember actually right now off the top of my head what year it was, but I I remember that um, Mark Wright and uh, Fowler scored in a two one win. Um, mm. And I just have this one memory of like one of the goals going in because it was a header. I think it was I think it was Fowler's goal, and it just like you know the eruption of uh, joy. Um, but I don't remember like further back. Like it, my my story is a little like yours in that my dad, uh, my family are, are all from Liverpool, and I don't remember the exact moment of being like, you know, who should I support? Mm. But um, I just knew that I was a Liverpool supporter, um, and. Uh, and um, yeah, my dad was the youngest of uh, of four four sons up in Liverpool, and they were all his uh, older brothers were uh, Everton fans. And he just to uh, annoy them, I should think, um, decided he wanted to be a a Liverpool fan. I'm, I'm very glad he made that decision. Well, uh, probably, yeah, I mean, I know they were underdogs who, back then as well. He he always yeah. likes the underdog. Well, it's interesting because I know someone at work who made the opposite decision, uh, who's about ten years older than me. But I think yeah, in the eighties, when Liverpool were 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 the you know Everton were good in the eighties, but in, when Liverpool was still the better side, he he decided because his mates were Liverpool fans to support Everton, so he made the opposite decision. And you won't admit it now, obviously, but you know you look at that and you think, God, what a terrible decision to make when you're in the position to choose one of the two because he's from he's from the city as well, and you choose the other one, and instead of having a life, okay, you know ours has had its ups and downs, it's had bad moments as well, but generally to be a Liverpool fan is obviously joyous. To be an Everton fan is is borderline, you know, misery year upon year, and um, yeah, and yeah, what? Yeah, so your dad made the right decision, and and the guy I know at work made the uh, made the completely wrong one. In that sort of weird, that weird sort of thing of picking a team because everyone else supports the other team. That's it's always I always find that quite a fascinating mindset. I think I'm probably I would just go with the herd. I think that's, <laughs> yeah, me too. It's more about me. I would just go with what everyone else supports. I always find it fascinating when you hear someone supports a team because they want it to be different. Yeah, and and at school where I grew up in, in Woking, it was uh, it, I remember it being like a kind of split between Liverpool and Tottenham. Um, mm. Anyone listening who isn't familiar, Woking's um, like southwest of London, so there's no local Premier League team. Um, your closest back then, you know, Palace and um, like Fulham, Chelsea, but they weren't as big then. So like, but I don't mm. really think Tottenham were that big back then either, though. So I don't know why it was Tottenham and Liverpool, but. That just so happened to be the the way, and and so, it, I guess like you said, like the herd, or at least half of them, um, were Liverpool fans. Now, mm. now if I grew up in an area where it was, uh, yeah, I, I don't know Liverpool. Uh, sorry, not Liverpool, um, but Tottenham or Arsenal. I don't know if I would have been able to be like, oh yeah, everyone, I'm a I'm a Liverpool fan. I think it might have been a a tougher decision, so to speak. But instead, it was like, oh. You support Liverpool too? Okay, so I'm not on my own. That's good. <laughs> I'll stick with this one. Yeah, yeah. Play. Well, obviously they were. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing we're about the same age. You know, Liverpool. Yeah, 82. Was sub- born, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of southern-based Liverpool fans at the time, because obviously you know they were successful, and the, you know, so there's a lot of you know United fans. You know, there'll be there'll be sort of I guess people in their late 20s, early 30s now. A lot of Man United fans from the south, because obviously they were the the you know the dominant team in the 90s and then in another generation you know you'll have a load of man city fans as well so yeah. 
it is pie. I always describe myself as a second generation glory hunter. You know, my although you know, <laughs> I always kind of say my dad's a glory hunter, but even in a way, he's an indirect glory hunter as well because he he didn't support Liverpool because they were successfully sported this amateur team, but the amateur team, I guess, took their name from Liverpool because they were sort of getting quite good at the time. So we're both kind of indirect um, glory hunters in a way. It's funny. Uh, there's a there's a team in Uruguay called Liverpool as well. I always wanted to find, uh, like, if I was to visit there, try and find a kit, uh, the Liverpool-Uruguay kit. Mm. So I guess um, I'd have to get one from Kenya as well, or is this amateur team not have their own kits? I don't know how they do it. I don't do know, it. yeah. I, don't, I, I really don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You don't I follow them? Yeah, I think, I mean, from what my dad said, they were, they're not even, I mean, we're talking basically the equivalent of kind of Sunday league level, you know, okay. sort of yeah. Hackney Marshes level in, in England, yeah. you know, not, even, not even in a proper league. So that's the way he describes it anyway. All right, so um, I probably won't be able to get a kit of that then, but that's all right. No, exactly. it'll save me money. I've spent too yeah. much money recently on uh, merchandise. I just got a shipment today of uh, <laughs> the uh, Champions of Europe six uh, new shirt for the season that I bought after the after the final and a jacket. Excellent, Yeah, I'm quite looking imagine. forward to putting it on, but uh, I'm uh, spending too much money anyway. Uh, so, what have you been up to recently? Um, with and, Not and, much. And you went to the final as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. I went to Madrid. So we're recording this on July the 1st. So it was uh, June the 1st, obviously, so a month ago. Um, yeah, that was that was amazing. I mean, since then, obviously, the season's ended. And in terms of work, I'm, I mean, I am generally office-based. So um, I do, you know, when the football season's on, I write quite regular football. I cover games for The Guardian most weekends and then, you know, bits during the week as well. But certainly during the off-season, it becomes very, very office-based. So... Just kind of helming, you know, our coverage of um, cricket World Cups. Obviously, quite quite interesting. Women's World Cup is has uh, has really sort of caught caught the imagination back in England. I'm, I'm I'm guessing it's maybe similar where you are with obviously the US. You know, as we're recording, USA going to play England um, in sort of about around 24 hours time, um, and it's really sort of caught on here. And uh, I'm guessing it's maybe similar where you are. So that that's become quite a big thing. Wimbledon starts today, so that's another thing so yeah football i mean sport just generally you know, football season's over yeah sport just 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 does not stop really and no. even football even football in a way is kind of you know it's always it's always bubbling along in the background there's transfer news and and pre-season starts quite soon as well which is scary to think so yeah just busy you know doing stuff in the office but not not writing a huge amount at the moment no okay um yeah it's crazy that the pre-season is um nearly here we just got um i'm the president of the official uh liverpool sports club in madison mm. and um we just got information today about uh one um uh, like applying for tickets um for the upcoming season which seems mm. way too early <laughs> and uh and two like the pre-season festivities that they've got planned down in uh south bend and and in uh, boston and new york um and that like you said earlier about uh this was off offline uh, about how the club are doing everything right some of these pre-season tours now uh, you know they're doing it themselves rather than going through the uh, international um was it champions cup yeah, um, yeah. they've got so many great things planned uh with boss night and and uh, all sorts of stuff with uh, their legends too um it's so much fun like being here uh, mm. and getting to do these things which is like um like you said about earlier, like how Liverpool was so far away from where we grew up. And it, it's like, I mean, I live in the US now and it's massive, obviously. Um, mm. Like Wisconsin is like, I think it's bigger than the, the UK. So like, I think about how I wouldn't go up to Liverpool because it was so far. And it's like, 
you just have to go that far now to to see things around this state or drive yeah, down to yeah. Chicago. It's 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 crazy the difference in, in like how the scale totally adjusts how you think of uh, distances. Mm. Yeah, I mean England is actually a relatively small country. When you travel around and then you come back and you think, God, I can get to Liverpool in two hours on a train or two and a half hours. It's yeah. you know, really you know when you travel to other countries and you're going huge distances to, as you say, to go to relatively local things it does it does put into perspective but um yeah I, I mean just on on Liverpool I think one thing that the club have done really well is is the is the relationship they've built with fan groups obviously all the boss night stuff as well and I remember when when John Henry was um when it was basically known in 2010 that uh FSG and John Henry uh, or any NESN was that, is that what they were known at the time I can't quite remember yeah anyway, I but, think that's right yeah Northeast yeah. Sports Network yeah that's right when they were about to take over I was given a job of trying to find out a bit more about them so I went to the uh, sports editor of the Boston and Globe whose name I can't quite remember but I think the article's still online actually I did a sort of mini interview with him to find out more about John Henry and he said two things always stuck in my mind he said he's First of all, he's no Tom Hicks and George Gillette. He's a serious sports owner. He won't screw the club over the way Hicks and Gillette did. Um, he will raise or they will raise ticket prices, which sadly did become an issue. You might well remember a few years ago, there was a walkout with Anfield, which I was involved in over the yeah. ticket prices. I think the club's actually probably learned from that um, from that moment. But he said, the one thing I, I do remember him saying is, they will do a great job of kind of improving the fan experience around Liverpool. You know, fans will feel more involved, more connected, feel there's more more around the club for them and, and certainly around Anfield now. It's 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 a completely different place to the Anfield I've you know I've been going to since FSG have have taken over the club. I mean around Anfield there's you know fan parks and live music and all sorts going on around the club and obviously all the the way they've connected with all the boss night stuff and, and become welcome to that. Tony Barrett, the former Times Merseyside correspondent become a supporter liaison officer. So they've got someone completely dedicated to working with fans. So They've done a great job, you know. FSG is coming up to ten years since they took over, which is kind of scary to think. But um, they have done a fantastic job, and obviously, from what you're saying as well, you know that that spread into their pre-season tours in the US and, and, and other places they've gone. So they deserve a lot of praise for that. I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because even um, even a few seasons back, uh, you, you know, you'd have a pre-season tour and really nothing um, other than the game. And the game, mm. I remember actually, I was being really surprised. I went to the game in Boston. Um, and, um, obviously this was under FSG and, uh, they were playing Roma, um, and it was at Fenway. Um, yeah. so it was iconic, but, and, but they didn't play You'll Never Walk Alone before the game, which really surprised me. I just mm. thought that, you, do you know what I mean? Like little things like that, they yeah. do to make, it didn't feel like it was a Liverpool game, more mm. so a, a, I guess a game that Liverpool happened to be playing with in yeah do you know what i mean it, but nothing really but they had loads of stuff outside like um they had the shankly gates it was it was like um you know it's, things were slowly starting to take uh take place but now um you know last season uh jamie webster was outside in a tent um playing in the car park so that we could have our like um um drinking in the parking the tailgating mm. and um yeah the, i just you just feel so much closer to the club when you when you've got that kind of uh like special attention, um, like yeah. the, the the fan park in Kiev, that bringing that stateside um, was incredible. Incredible because uh, the people you meet here, um, they're just massive fans, and yeah. and you you know you'd be surprised. Like um, there's no real rhyme or reason why they necessarily chose or were chosen by yeah. Liverpool. Like something caught their interest, and then they they get sucked in, and um, just 
reading all about it and like you know you know more than the average fan yeah do you think do you think the american ownership the successful american ownership of liverpool is specifically led to more american liverpool fans you know in the way that maybe the glazer ownership hasn't for man united or the cronky ownership of arsenal hasn't um yeah it's a good question i don't i don't know really because um may, maybe if you were a boston red sox fan you might sort of hear about this other thing they bought and then jump into it that way but yeah uh, here in the midwest um i don't hear people saying that that was any reason why they sort of uh got interested um yeah. it may uh, i mean i get i was going to say it may may help that they're american and then they come and do tours here but that they could be from anywhere and still do tours in america so yeah yeah I, i'm not sure really i wouldn't mm. i wouldn't say so but um it probably hasn't hurt. I always, I always thought like uh, when we were going in for Dempsey, and then like when Pulisic was um, rumored to be um, potentially coming to Liverpool, that that might make more difference. In that mm. you've got, you've got sort of like uh, you've got actually a surprising amount of Tottenham fans around here, and um, the only reason I can think why is that Dempsey played for them, uh, mm. you know, and uh, it, it when Dempsey was good for the US, and so that people are like, oh, who's he played for? Oh, really? And then they they sort of click in and. Yeah, that makes the big, sense. Yeah, the biggest thing here is that it's on NBC um, Sports, um, and a lot of the games are on just the normal package, so you don't need a special um, subscription. So oh, you right. can okay. watch it quite easily, and then oh, okay. more and more places as well, um, mm. you know, have it on in their in the pubs, because uh, thankfully it's on at a different time to the sports um, typically here. Yeah, so you can if you want, you can just watch sports all day, and. Um, yeah. That is a, an American pastime, watching sports all day. And now you can actually do it all day if you wake up at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, the yeah, time difference means that it's got its own little slot, isn't it? Because it's uh, probably quite early then, isn't it? I guess most games are... Yeah, yeah. The earliest yeah. would be like 5.45, but mm. that's only for that little bit of time when uh, uh, British summertime um, yeah. those get changes before here. But usually it's 6.45 for us anyway on Chicago mm. time. It's worse for the West Coast, but um, yeah, five five hours ahead um mm. on the east so yeah like you're right they've got their own little slot and there's nothing yeah. else on good stuff yeah so um I, after that then do you want to talk about the uh season just gone where we got you know the big is number six what do you think going into the season like uh what were your expectations um it's kind of weird looking back really i, I don't know what they were I, I i don't think i thought we could win the league i, I think i felt um i was very happy with you know the well the summer business mainly getting allison in i thought that was an absolute must um i thought there was for me there was no way loris caris could could play another minute for liverpool after what happened in kiev you know i'm not someone right. to get on get on the backs of players i try and give them a bit of you know i'm not someone who hurls abusive players at the game certainly and generally i don't try and get on their backs but I felt there was, there was no return for Carrius after after Kiev I thought he was done I thought there's just you know it was an awful obviously performance but also I felt as fans we'd be on tentacles basically every time he played if he, yeah. you, know, you know we were just waiting for that next mistake so I think I especially very... after the the Tremere mistake as well because yeah. I, I kind of wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and uh, um, you know I I do believe that he had a concussion I you know I guess we don't want to get into that necessarily but um I don't know what was affected by that and uh, and not, um, but like you said, just the confidence um, would be gone. Um, yeah. For other players, perhaps as well, because 
yeah, that that was a thing more than anything. Whether yeah, whether you had concussion or not, you know, okay, that's that's up for debate. But just the fact that it was such a huge game. He didn't make these mistakes in an FA Cup fourth round tie. This was a Champions League final, and two glaring mistakes that everyone around him, as you said, the defenders, you know, the um, the supporters, everyone would would be nervous. And then, as you said, the, the mistake against Tranmere was the final straw. And I think he made one against against Dortmund in a preseason game, the same preseason period. Um, that might have been in the US actually. I'm sure he made a mistake against Dortmund. So it was just like there was just no return from. So Allison obviously came in. That was great. Yeah, so that's yeah, you know, that gave me confidence that defensively we're going to improve, and obviously the front line was the front line. So I did think, yeah, we we're going to have a good season, but I didn't think we'd win the league because of I just thought Man City just so strong, and they were, you know, you know, you, the season before, you know, they'd finished uh, with a hundred points, they'd finished twenty five points ahead of us, so you couldn't really see us because we finished with seventy five, so you couldn't see us bridging that gap. Uh, and in terms of Europe, I must admit, being a bit of a pessimist, I thought, well, we got to the final. You know, just just got to the final in 2018. There's no way we can do that again. So I didn't really hold out much hope. So I think I went to the season thinking, look, we'll do well. I expected us to get definitely get in the top four, probably in the top three minimum, even you know top two. I think my key hope, not necessarily that I expected this, I just wanted us to close the gap on City. So mm. you know, if someone you know said you'll finish ten points behind City in the Premier League at the end of the 28-2019 season, I probably would have taken that. Because I've seen that as a stepping stone then to to pushing them properly, but I think for me that was the main end: close the gap on City, be competitive, get back in the top four. Um, but yeah, if someone had told me you were going to finish one point behind Man City and win the European Cup, I would have absolutely uh, taken that. You know, in the end, it was a, it was an incredible season. Yeah, it's funny to look back now because I, I remember jokingly, um, well. You know, tongue in cheek, saying to a friend of mine, "Oh, we'll win the double next season." Uh, you know, trying to be bullish after um, losing in Kiev. Um, and I'm not normally that one. I'm not normally one to like be. Um, uh, I don't know. Put put it out there because I don't want to look yeah. stupid after the fact. Um, but I didn't really think that that was going to happen. You know, you know, it was all about making sure we were um, qualifying um, for the Champions League again, just to keep building on. Um, uh, what we had, but you know, there's no doubt that I didn't. Um, there's no doubt that I didn't think Liverpool were, had a fantastic team, and it was incredibly fun to watch that last season. Um, but it's interesting looking back. We just sort of managed to get in the top four. Um, I mean, it, it was sort of safe, but it it wasn't like uh, we still had to win that last game at home, right? Mm. Right? Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we did. It was yeah, Brighton and I mean, we we were we were coasting to top four, but I think because our Champions League run. Yeah, gathered momentum. We we you know we took our afterball. I remember going to Stoke at home in sort of early mid April, and we drew that nil yeah, nil. Two, and, and then oh nil nil yeah yeah nil nil at Stoke, and then we went to Chelsea and lost the Sunday after we got to the European Cup final when we uh, played Roma away, lost that game one nil. And so we actually went into the last day having to well destiny was our own hands. So if we won, that was fine. But feeling yeah. like we had to definitely win. In yeah. the end, it didn't matter because Chelsea lost at Newcastle. So even if we'd lost against Brighton, we would have made the top four. But yeah, we, in a way, we only sort of just about got over the line. But I think you could forgive the forgive the team because obviously the Champions League had taken on this momentum that no one had expected, and you know, so they'd taken their eye off the, the league ball a little bit. Yeah. So um, at what point then during the season, as it was going along, if you if you were just thinking, you know, we'll we'll get to. Uh, the Champions League spots. Um, did you have a sort of moment um, where it, you know you thought, "Hang on a minute, I think we might we might be uh, on course for something big here." 
You mean the season just gone? The 2019 yes, sorry. season. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I think the fact we just kept, certainly domestically, we just we just kept winning games. And we won our first, um, I think I've got it here, actually, our first five, first six league, no, first five, is that right? Yeah, for five league games in a row. We then beat Paris Saint-Germain in Champions League and then we won the next league game after that. And, you know, the football wasn't sparkling. We weren't battering teams, but we were, there was a sort of level of professionalism to the way we were going about things. We were controlling games far more. I mean, the team of 17-18 was just ludicrously exciting. I mean, they were sort of so cavalier in their approach, whereas the team of 18-19 was a bit more, a bit more controlled, not sparkling. And there were some games where you thought, I'm a bit unconvinced by by this team, but then the fact they just kept winning sort of gave me belief that when they really find the gears, you know, and everyone's really knowing what they're going to do, then then you know they're really going to sort of get into their slipstream and start putting lots of goals past teams. Um, I think if there was a moment where I thought something might be happening here, I think it was probably if I had to pick a game, I'd say the Everton, the one 0 win over Everton at the start of December, the Divock Origi game. Because I think that was such a mad way to win a game. Um, you sort of looked at it and you thought, you know, feel, it was that sense of magic about it. You thought yeah. something might be happening. Here. Like, not only are we a good team, we seem to have a bit of luck and a bit of magic on our side. So I think that might be the moment when, when I really felt it. I think the whole of December, I remember saying to my mates after we came out the other side of it, saying that calendar month, December 2018, is without doubt, well, I would say without doubt, because obviously we've won European Cups in Mays, but I would say without, you know, one of the best calendar months I've ever had support in Liverpool. I mean, we won every game in December and there were some really tough games in there. We started with that Everton game, but then obviously there was a big Napoli Champions League game at Anfield we had to win to, to get to the knockout stage. We did that. We beat United at home, uh, beat Wolves away, you know, which isn't easy. They're a good team. Battered Newcastle yeah, on was, Boxing Day. That was a tough then, one as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then beat the Arsenal five one at the end of the month. And I think when you yeah. came out of December, you thought, Jesus Christ, there's something really, really special happening here. Sadly, the first game of January was that defeat at City, and and yeah. um, ultimately, you know, if you look at the points total at the end of the season, that was, that a, was it, a crucial game. It? Yeah. Yeah. We'd have we'd have drawn that. Drawn that. Then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I was um I was in. Um, UK and I went up to Liverpool. I went to Anfield for the uh, Arsenal game, and I remember like what you're saying that December month just ever just it it had to be one of the highest points of that season in in some ways because we were seven yeah seven points clear um, at the end of that period, and uh, you know we just smashed Arsenal five one after going a goal behind, and um, yeah it looked like we were um, never going to lose another game. Mm. Uh, and then, like you said, sadly, the next one was the one that we did lose. Yeah. Uh, just to say on that City game, sorry, yeah, just on the City game, I think, you know, I said there that was a kind of pivotal moment of the season. In a way, it wasn't because, as you say, we we, we beat, to, well, after the Arsenal game, we were seven points clear. And obviously, the whole narrative going to the City game on the 3rd of January was, you know, Liverpool win this, they're 10 points clear. I think even Guardiola said, look, if Liverpool go 10 points clear, it's done. They can't, you know, we can't catch them. We lost. But we were still four points clear at that stage, which is a decent little cushion. Um, mm. So it was still, you know, OK, tough to take. But, you know, we still had a little, little cushion for that. Looking back for me, the, the result, which, and I, you know, just, you know, just kills me even thinking about it now. I wasn't there, but Leicester draw on the 30th yeah. of January. Because I think, you know, City had lost to Newcastle the previous night. I think if we beat Leicester, we would have gone seven points clear. We drew... You know, with a you know played poorly, and we conceded so late in that first half, having taken the lead through Mane, uh, Harry Maguire, equalised for Leicester, and 
you know, that was when it all started to fall away a little bit and we drew West Ham quite soon after. But Yeah, it was the enjoyed... next game, was it? It was after that international break, wasn't it? And Harry Maguire potentially could have been sent off as well. Um, yeah. If we had a little bit of luck. on, Yeah, that was, yeah. I think, the worst one. Because I, I, I think Cater should have had a, a penalty late on as well in the second half. Yeah. Um, it, it seemed like all the things went against us against us in, in that game in particular. I mean, it, it may have more than balanced itself, itself out with things like the hilarious goal that Divock scored against um, Everton and late yeah. winners here and there. But yeah, I, I agree with you. That was that was a, a tough one. Because drawing yeah. away at West Ham, we didn't play well. Um, Leicester, though, it felt like we were flat rather than really um, yeah. unable to think. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I can accept a one or draw at West Ham. I mean, West Ham, you know, yeah. they're, they're a decent team. They've, they've actually done well against big teams at, at home. And then even if you take the, you know, drawing away at United, drawing away at Everton. I mean, Everton, in a way, was the crucial one because that was the moment destiny was taken out of our hands. But you can even look at United and Everton and go, look, that's two tough away games. You've drawn those. That's not a disaster. As I said, a draw at West Ham, that's kind of fair enough that can happen. But you've got to be beating Leicester at home. And that's ultimately for me. I you know, after you know, because after that we just kept winning. I said after the Everton game, I think we won every league game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we did. Yeah. But, um yeah, so obviously the problem was City as well. Yeah. No, I think it all goes back for me to that Leicester game. It was as you say, really flat. I think we were I think the only time, arguably, in the entire season, we, we looked like a team struggling with our status as, as a leading team in this country. Because, as I said, Newcastle beat City the night before. And there was suddenly this huge spotlight on us. You know, Liverpool win this, they go seven points clear. And I think the players, you know, I wasn't there that night, but the play, it, looked like, it felt like, from what people said and the highlights I've seen, that the players felt the pressure and they buckled a bit, really. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it, that's, for me, the result. More than the City defeat. Uh, the defeat at City at the start of January. That's the one that I look back on and think, God, if we just got another goal in that game, if we'd won that game, it would have been very different to Messi. We, we would have won the league, essentially. Yeah, it's just, it's sad as well that we got early goals against both Leicester and West Ham. Mm. Uh, so both both ones kind of went into being like, yes, right, we're off the mark. Um, yeah. But it, it weren't able to hold on. Um, mm. Yeah, frustrating. Um what was I going to say? Uh, the the way the way then that um, that it turned out um, against uh, um, Leicester and West Ham, it, it was a real low point, um, like form wise as well. It, it seemed like we were struggling for goals, um, and it and it. I said before it came over after a, an international break, um, and it seemed to happen quite a lot to Liverpool. Like uh, we we prefer to be playing often, um, and like you know twice a week getting into a groove and and we had that break and we, we came back a bit flat and i was going to say as well that the um it's just clicked now sorry um it's kind of babbling for a second there so you weren't there um i remember listening to the anfield rap at the time and saying that the the atmosphere was very um nervous going into that lesser game like the crowd mm. feeling the pressure too and it and then some players mentioned it um and it seems like it was one and done and like you know that game the crowd were like like feeling it and then after that they were like well that that didn't feel good for the players uh let's just change our entire outlook on every single game for the rest of the uh season and the and so it's, it's bizarre that once we were behind um well that was later against seven like you said but you know we, we were always cheering on even if it wasn't looking good um uh, like you know fast forward to tottenham where where they equalize and it's one one and we're thinking it could be all over and the crowd's just keeping on going 
Yeah, I think I think once we lost the destiny of the title race at that, you know, against Everton at the start of March, I think a, a defiance took over the fan base, and it was like, right, you know, we're gonna we're gonna you know push this team over the line, you know, sod you, Man City, we're coming for you and all that stuff. I think leading leading the title race, um, you know, around that Leicester game, I think created nervousness. You know, we didn't like leading, and we found that difficult. So you could argue that if we had beaten Leicester. You know, and we'd continue to have destiny in our own hands beyond the Everton game. There would have been another game somewhere down the line anyway, where the nervousness just led to a slip. And it could, as you say, you point out the Spurs game. You know, that's a good example. Maybe in a parallel universe, that ends a one-all draw because, or, yeah, or even a or, loss, yeah, or a loss exactly. I was just about to say that, yeah, exactly. So because nervousness crept in, you know, I went to pretty much all the all the games in the running, and yeah, the atmosphere was great. The fans were bouncing, and they, and there was a defiance. It was like. You know, you know, there's a real sense of, you know, yeah, OK, City are leading. Everyone thinks City are going to win. But, we're, you know, we're coming for you. We were totally behind the team. And that might have been different had we actually been a team in the box seat leading the title race with City on our tail. So, yeah, it, it's possible. You could look at it that way and say there would have been a slip. Um, potentially, yeah. Potentially Don't say slip, had, had we Don't say a, slip. Yeah, not slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that's why, uh, I like, back then, if we go back to our Leicester-West Ham chat, period of the season the Champions League became for me like a welcome relief from uh, the the pressure of needing to win every single game in the league Mm. and it's funny to look back on that now because you know I was I was thinking kind of like you said earlier that we're not going to get to the final again because we did it last season it's it's unlikely they'll get back-to-back finals so to me it was like um we've got to win the league this year um and I put all my eggs into that basket um and I thought that, like you said as well, with the, the the cushion, even though we lost to City, I was like, well, that's all right. We're still four points clear. I mean, like I would have bitten your end off before the uh, beginning of the season yeah, to, if you told me that it would be, you know, January 1st, four points clear at the top of the league. Um, but then, you know, those results dropped more points. But I still thought that, you know, City would lose some points there. So I, I still thought, got to win every game, got to win every game. And so the Champions League became like a sort of, welcome distraction and then that Bayern Munich game um at home uh we were struggling in the league this was around the time that we drew um uh, away at United um mm. so we have this uh nil nil draw at home against Bayern I'm like why are we why can't we score anymore what's going on it, it, you know a real slump so I thought a, a massive shift for me was winning away at, at the Allianz um mm. and that Mane goal just kind of setting the tone for just this incredible change in like just some of the magic that we could provide that and and go into the Allianz beaten by Munich 3-1 that Klopp you know narrative in the background as well of beating Bayern um and at the time I didn't think all right we're going to the final now I just remember thinking all right now let's kick on in the league and start um winning all our games because just still hoping that City would drop points yeah that's interesting I mean it's funny when we were drawn against Bayern in Back, you know, in December, I had a sort of funny reaction to it because I was delight. I was actually on one hand really happy we had Bayern Munich because they're the kind of them and Ajax are the only European superpowers I've never seen us play in, in my lifetime. Sport Liverpool, you know, we've you know we've had everyone else. We've had Barcelona, Real Madrid, obviously Milan, famously, and in you know Inter and um, Dortmund. And we've had all these other sort of big sides. But we've never had Bayern, so I was great. I was delighted we were going to play Bayern Munich, but then I also thought we'd definitely lose to them as well because at that stage they'd started to pick up form and, and playing really well. So I thought, oh, I'll probably lose to Bayern. But, you know, fair enough. That's that's not a disaster. And I'm looking forward to seeing us play them. I think once we beat them, 
Um, you're saying, obviously, that gave you more confidence for the league. For me, that I think that was probably the moment, and I was fortunate enough to be at the Allianz, that was probably the moment where I thought, God, we could win this European Cup now suddenly because I just didn't expect it. So to go there and not just beat them, but play really well, really fully deserved to win that game. I thought we looked so mature and so um, deadly, you know, in that game. And then obviously we get Porto next. As soon as that, the draw, I mean, was the, was the Friday after the after the um, buying game on the Wednesday. So quite quickly after, you think, oh, hang on, we've got Porto next. We'll beat them probably. So we're, we're going to be in the semi-finals here. So, for, yeah, it's interesting you say that gave you more confidence for the league. For me, it gave me real confidence that we could actually get to another Champions League final. Um, whether or not Especially as we were going to avoid City and I thought Juventus were pretty strong. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So the draw, yeah, they were on the other side. So I, yeah. you're plotting the draw, aren't you? And you're thinking, well, beat Porto. Um, you're hoping, obviously, praying that Barcelona beat Manchester United. So then you think, well, right, we've got Barcelona in the semis and uh, obviously that will be very difficult. But, you know, if we're in the semis, you know what Anfield's like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's probably the moment. Beating Bayern Munich is the moment where I've really, for the first time, thought, yeah, we could certainly get to the final again, and 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 that gave me a lot of confidence for that. Yeah, it's interesting when you say that after the um, the draw was made though, because I was thinking this is a welcome distraction because we got Bayern, and we, I was thinking, yeah, we probably won't um, um, we'll probably find that tough, especially after the nil-nil draw. Um, mm. but then when that when the draw was made that we got Porto, then I was thinking, yeah, I, I'm exactly the same as you. I was like, hello, this has opened up a little bit. Um, yeah. poor, poor Porto, I thought, because after last season of um, getting hammered, I was like, they, well, they wouldn't want to see us again. And they didn't. Yeah, uh, kind of, no, was... That kind of went the, a different way as well. I wasn't expecting to beat them 4-1 in Porto um, after, you know, the, the first leg was quite tough. I mean, 2-0. I just, I just remember thinking we, we could have perhaps needed to have scored more because we were making the chances, but... Um, luckily, well, not luckily, but it, it, it seemed like it was only going to finish 1-0 and then we got a somewhat late goal and it sort of make it a bit more comfortable, was it, for me, though? Um, anyway, so, yeah, uh, so is that, so that was when you thought we might be getting to the Champions League final. Did you, did you, ha- at what point did you think we were going to win the league or did you ever really think that, you know, was it around the seven points clear mark or did you think that we were still... I don't know if I, there was there probably wasn't a moment where I thought we're going to win this. I think we got through December. December was just unbelievable, and it was just you did feel something's happening. And I, and I think if we if we I went to the City game at the start of January. I think if I if we come away there with a draw or a win, I would have probably started believing yeah. we lost. Obviously, so that made me think. Well, look, we still got a nice cushion, four points, but it's got you know it. You can't say anything for certain there. I wasn't actually that downbeat after Leicester game at the time because that actually that doubled. I don't know if you remember that was a midweek double header where everybody not double header but everyone played over the midweek period. So we actually came out of that midweek period in a better position because City had lost yeah, at we Newcastle. We yeah. yeah, exactly. We drawn. So even then, I was like, okay, five points. That's pretty good. Then we went to Man United uh, at the end of February, and I was I, I was happy to take a draw because that kept destiny in our own hands. Uh, we got the draw, so we played terribly, but I thought, okay, that's fine. I think the Everton game obviously was a huge blow. I think I think once the I think once we lost momentum, I think once we lost control of the title race with that Everton game, the nil nil on the third of March, I think that was a moment I probably thought. Not that we definitely won't win it, but it's going to be really tough now because you're saying there, and I had friends saying this as well, saying, oh, City will drop points at some point. But my thought was, well, they might do, but if they're going to drop points, then we'll drop points. So that cancels that out. 
And if we win every game, well, why can't they win every game? So my yeah. my full on pessimism kicked in completely. You know, I my I, I went into full pessimism mode, and it's really funny because the end of the season domestically, I found I don't know about you, but I found really tough. I mean, I went to a lot of the league games, um, and obviously saw some great results. The Spurs game was amazing. So even a game like Southampton away, I had a great time there. We won three one, and we came back from being a goal down, and it, it was a Friday night game, great atmosphere, etc., etc., etc. That was that was but, a fantastic one, yeah. Yeah, oh. I mean, you know Cardiff away, all these games, but I just I found the back end of the season really tough. I, I don't actually think I enjoyed it. I think I I endured it more than anything because. City just kept winning and they either won before we played, which meant we just absolutely had to win, or they played after. So we won and then that sort of satisfaction was short-lived because they, they then won, you know, 24 hours later. So I found I found the back end of the domestic season really tough, which sounds a bit ungrateful given I'm watching a team that's winning every week, literally winning every week. But yeah, I've, I found it really difficult. I just, as the season went on, I just couldn't see where they were going to drop points. People were saying, oh, you know, Burnley's tough, you know, Leicester at home and all this stuff. You know, they'll drop points on one of those two games. I, I remember, actually, I should say, you know, sorry, I'm going a long way round. You're saying, when do you think we're going to win the league? To put it a different way, the way I then, after the Everton game, in, in my head, I said, right, the Manchester derby, which is, you know, what, the end of April or maybe, or mid-April, I can't quite remember. I said, whoever is top at the end of that game, if it's us, we'll win the league. If it's City, they'll win the league. So I was putting mm-hmm. all my eggs in the sort of the Man United basket. But one one night only, I was a huge Man United fan, yeah. and obviously they were terrible and they lost. And that was the night. That was the night when, when it was still there was still about four games left. I think that was the night when I went. That's it. It's done. Absolutely done. I see like people say, no, no, you know, there's there, there's a chance. You know, City will go to Burnley. They got Leicester at home. Blah 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 blah. I said, no, nah, it's done. That was that for me was the last chance for. For us to win the league and, and United did us no favours whatsoever. No, and it was um God, that was awful. But it, I still hoped, yeah, that like Burnley away would be tough. I think it, um other um results didn't really go in our favour at that point because Burnley did not need to win yeah. um or get a draw to uh, stay up. They they were uh, I think safe at that point. I think um, they, were they got a point pre- the game te- yeah. before, and they obviously yeah, they, had a, a few more games to go. Yeah, um, they weren't sort of technically safe, but if, from what I remember, they were pretty much safe. They were, you know, it was going to take a bit of a miracle for them to to get relegated. Yeah, and then um, kind of similar with uh, Brighton in the last game of the season, they they'd been made safe the previous game. Yeah. So I wonder if they would have been much more difficult opponent had they have actually you know needed something out of it because really um it's it's tough anyway to play against Man City, but. If you've got no real skin in the game, apart from pride, it makes it a bit tougher. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to circle back, though. I just wanted to say about... You, you said about how um, when we drew Bayern, um, you know, I remember that the sort of sort of media narrative being about um, how, you know, they weren't the Bayern that they used to be and look at them, they're, they're losing to Dortmund in the league, et cetera, et cetera. And the, us then being favourites. And then when it came around to time for the game... Bayern had totally turned it around in the Bundesliga yeah. and um, were top. I'm pretty sure they were top, but at least had like had some huge wins uh, in a row. Um, but then, so then the nil-nil at home is like, yeah, you know, Bayern have done uh, done well here, kept a clean sheet. Um, Liverpool are going to find it really tough in the Alliance. And then we win there. And then I feel like the media was like, well, yeah, but they're not as good as they used to be anyway. Do you, is this like just me as a fan? Is this what everyone thinks about um, media spin in that 
you know when when you uh, when you win something, people are like, yeah, yeah, but you, you obviously were favourites. Um, did it, or am, am I? Do you remember it like that as well? Being like, uh, it it being like, oh, you're the favourites. Oh, now you're not. Oh, yeah, you were always the favourites. Yeah, it's hard to look back and remember. Actually, I think uh, you're absolutely right. I think when the draw was made, um, actually, you know, going back to change slightly what I said, I think when the draw was made, I, I think I. Because you're right, at that time, I think Bayern were struggling a bit because the draw was in mid-December. So I probably was also not only excited about playing Bayern, because uh, as I said, I'd not seen us play them, but also probably thought we had a chance. Uh, but by the time, you're definitely right, by the time the game came round, by the time the first day came round in, in mid, uh, mid-February, mid mm. they had really picked up a lot of form. They were playing really well. I think, as you say, they had either gone top of the Bundesliga or had closed the gap to Dortmund significantly. So at that stage, I did think, Right. And, and we struggling. and we were struggling. Yeah. yeah, we were struggling. We just had uh, well, we'd beaten Bournemouth actually a few days earlier, but we'd had the West Ham and Leicester draws not 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 long before. Yeah, so we were struggling. We we were looking a, a bit poor. Um, I was all right with the nil nil actually. I remember thinking that's not a terrible result because you know I was really worried about them getting away goal. I thought well, they haven't got an away goal, so we win. We you know it's a straight shoot anyway. We go to Bayern now. If we score. We're, we're in a great position. And, uh, you know, even though we were struggling for goals, I thought, you know, there's goals in our team. Of course there is. So we can get a goal. In terms of the narrative after the second leg, I, I can't really remember. I think I think a lot of people from the match reports I read and the bits I read, I think there was a real sense of, wow, that's an impressive win. I mean, even if you consider Liverpool to be the favourites, you know, no one's discounting Bayern. And as I said, their form at the time was good. I think there was definitely a sense that, of course, this isn't the Bayern Munich of a few years ago, you know, certainly, certainly now we're near the team that won the treble. Uh, was it the treble? I think they won in 2013. I think they won everything in 2013. Uh, you know, now we're near as good as that team or not even as good as the team of a few years, you know, after that. But they're still, I think, viewed as a very impressive win. And I think I think the story was, yeah. very, I think the story to sort of summarise it really was very good win for Liverpool. Impressive, well done. But also this is confirmation that a cycle has come to an end at Bayern Munich and, that, and they need refreshing. So I think it was a sort of bit of both. All right, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and now I wanted to fast forward back to what you were saying about that, like the last few games of the season, where like, I remember hoping beyond hope that that City would still drop points, even after like the the kind of big one in quotes uh, away at um, United, because you know mm. it's a derby, anything can happen. And I remember I got rear-ended on on Monday, um, so I was, I was off a high. Uh, from us getting that late winner against Newcastle, thinking, okay, right, they've got two more games. We we've only got one more. Uh, we're at home. They're 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 away on last game, and and obviously this Leicester come to town with Rogers. And um, so I get rear-ended that morning. I remember that the lady who did it at the end of our conversation just being like, "I hope your day gets better." And um, <laughs> and I just immediately thought. City are going to uh, drop points against Leicester. <laughs> just like totally, de- totally delusional. Just like that, she had no idea what she was. You know, she had no idea about yeah. the game. She's just like off the cuff saying, "Sorry, hope you gets better." And I'm like, yeah. it, "It's on." It's and then I, yeah. I watched, I watched some of that, and it was. Uh, I think that was the lowest I felt in the in the in the in the, in the season because we got beaten three 0 by Barcelona, and it was you know, it was not a three 0 scoreline. We we you know, performed very well and everything just seemed mm. to, they scored when uh, they had chances and we did not take any of our chances. Um, so it is, that was my lowest moment during the league, just thinking, all right, we've got to win. Um, we're not going to get through against Barca. I just, I just didn't think it was going to happen. Um, and I thought we're not going to win the league. And I just was like, God, we're, we're uh, 
another great season that's going to end with nothing. Um, mm. Did you have a similar um, turn to Jesus moment? Yeah, well, that yeah, I mean, it's funny you say. That. I mean, I, I actually didn't watch the um, the City game. It was really I mean, that was a that was a it was a bank holiday in England, so um, I had a, had a day off, and uh, me and my wife and daughter went to sort of into into London and did some stuff. And during our sort of time you know, around, you know, sort of walking around. I was thinking, should I watch case, should I not? And then ultimately decided I didn't want to watch it. And it was absolutely agonising because then we got home and, and put our daughter to bed and stuff. And, and my wife said, are you watching this game? And I said, no, no, I'm not going to watch it. Let's, well, let's watch some other stuff. And we had a couple of episodes of 30 Rock to watch. We were sort of going over a couple of series of 30 Rock, which we hadn't seen. Uh, yeah, we hadn't caught up with. So um, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we sort of loved yeah. it. We'd watch it sort of regularly and then we kind of... I haven't we, watched that in ages. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's sort of actually, you know, you look back, it actually ended in 2012, which is sort of kind oh, of bad. Yeah, ended a long oh. time ago. But we'd watched it all the way up until, I think, the last couple of series and then we'd sort of, I don't know why, but we hadn't watched the last couple of series. Anyway, we decided to download them and watch them. So I thought, let's, let's watch a couple more episodes of 30, right? Let's get through those. So we watched one episode as exactly at the moment that the City game kicked off. Um that episode ended and then I was like, uh, actually, sorry, it wasn't when the city game kicked off. It was a little bit into the, into the game, but anyway, watch one episode, turned it off. And I'm like, okay, I said to her, I'm just going to quickly check the city score. It was nil, nil. And this was now sort of into the second half. So I thought, so she was saying, so I was saying, said to her, oh, shit, I might watch the end of this now because you know, it's nil, nil. And it's like, you never know. Yeah. You never yeah. know. So, so she said, um, no, look, well, you, you might jinx it there. We've watched an episode of 30 rock and they haven't scored. Let's watch another one. And, you know, <laughs> So maybe 30 rocks, a good luck charm, like, like your woman sort of rear-ending you. So I was like, okay, that's a good decision. So we stuck a second episode on. That episode ended. And I remember, it's really weird to say this, I remember feeling really sick as the episode. I almost didn't want the episode to end because I thought I'm going to have to check the City score again. And I just felt sick and I just, the nervousness of it. So anyway, the episode ended. I was like, right, let's check the City score. And it was 1-0. And I, I actually never watched any highlights or read anything. I sort of went to bed quite soon after. I didn't even know Vincent Company had scored. Oh, a that God, he'd scored, B that, that he scored this oh, mad God. wonder goal. I only found out the following morning. But sorry, I'm sort of watching it. But that's a horrible memory. Yeah, that those there was, that three day spell was just unbelievable. So we lost, so City won on a Monday. So on the Tuesday, I went up to Anfield for the Barcelona second leg. I was feeling completely moody traveling up to the game because. As, exactly as you said, we're not going to win the league and we're not going to win the European Cup because we've got a 3-0 deficit to overturn. And my mates on the way up actually were quite positive. They were like, look, OK, 3-0 is asking a lot, but, you know, they were sort of talking up and saying, you know, talking about the atmosphere and all that stuff. So I was like, I felt a bit better about it all. Got into the ground and I just thought to myself, look, I still didn't believe, but I thought, you know what, sod it. This is, the team have given us a great season. Let's just cheer them on and, and see what happens. And obviously we pull off the miracle. So I'm on a complete high, feeling absolutely brilliant. Wednesday, then it's Spurs, Ajax in that second leg in Amsterdam. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna, I'll watch this. Ajax will get through because they're winding up from the first leg. And it's Liverpool, Ajax in the Champions League final. Haven't seen us ever play Ajax. So that's going to be amazing. Brilliant. Feeling really good. Having had that horrible Monday, I suddenly felt great about life. And then Tottenham pulled that result around. And I feel slightly embarrassed saying this. I actually genuinely, like a baby, I burst into tears. My wife was looking at me going, what the hell is wrong with you? And I think it was, I didn't, first of all, I didn't want to play Spurs in the Champions League final. I just no, didn't want yeah. to play an English team. I thought they would obviously give us a far harder game than Ajax. Um, it was a shame then we weren't going to play Ajax because of the reason I just said, you know, in terms of this team, I'd never seen us play. And I think, honestly, I was just exhausted by the whole process of being <laughs> yeah. a Liverpool supporter. Those three yeah. days wiped me out the emotions I felt over those three days were like nothing ever in my life it was just so draining I think 
obviously Madrid was amazing, but up until Madrid, I'd slightly got sick of the process of being a football sport. I just found <laughs> I found last season pre-Madrid absolutely exhausting and draining yeah. in quite a negative way. And that's not a good thing to say because I should be enjoying it because obviously I'm supporting a, a brilliant team. I was playing brilliant football and winning lots of games. But I just found the whole thing draining and very tiring. And, and thank God the season ended on a, on a great note. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I feel like sometimes I wonder why I care so much about the individual results or, or, or trophies, I guess, you know, because... Yeah. Like you said, it should be enjoyable, and it is. It's it's fun to watch. Like you know, I watch other teams, and um, you know, where I'm going, any skin in the game, and just I just genuinely enjoy watching football. Um, but then you, there's there's that element of the uh, the competition of yeah, but I want to win something to sort of uh, prove that this team is sort of worth all my time and energy. And yeah, it's sad to look back at like Torres um, just not winning anything, and all those good memories of him. I just I loved him as a player, which is fantastic. Um, and not having anything to show for it. Like, there's no like kind of, um, I always joke about um, uh, with, when we uh, got to Basel, uh, losing that final, that DVD would have been amazing to, to watch <laughs> yeah. back. Do you know what I mean? The, the Dortmund result and uh, yeah, yeah. like beating, um, beating um, United and that, that Coutinho yeah. goal at Old Trafford. And then the Sturridge goal in the final just, and we were so much better in the first half. And um, I remember that summer being like pretty depressing mm. just, just because of like not winning that game. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, oh, we, we, um, we lost the, uh, the uh, League Cup final so that we could win the Europa League final. You know what I mean? Mm. Like some sort of learning moment. And I was like, wait, we lost both. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just uh, getting there too. We, we seem to be getting everywhere too early. And then Kiev was the same way. Like we, we'd sort of ahead of schedule so to speak you know the first time we're back in the champions league and we get to the final not quite good enough to win it and i was just getting fed up of being like uh um not not the first loser because that's ridiculous because we get to the final you, you know obviously have to be a hugely um talented team and and you have to win a lot of games to get to a final but when you lose in the final it feels worse than losing in the first round of that of that cup you know yeah, you you do get over these things. Obviously, you know you, you get over everything, and you know you, football ultimately is, is just a sport. Over, and I'm not over severe. You sort of over <laughs> what? Even after Madrid, Christ, like, you do get over these things. But I think what Madrid taught me is people who say well, not all people, but certainly on a personal level, you know, when you say, oh, you know, it was just good to get to the final. That's that's rubbish, really. What Madrid <laughs> taught me was no, I really want to win these trophies. I want that when that you know that moment when the final whistle blew and I was able to grab hold of my mates and and celebrate winning and seeing John Henderson lift the trophy and all that stuff. That is amazing. And you, you know, it's all well and good saying, well, it's just good to get the final. No, you want, you want that as well. You want, and as you said, I think, you know, you put it well, you want kind of that tangible proof that all the effort is worth it. And it is great getting close to things, finishing second, getting to finals, because that in itself means you've had a good season, but you've got to get, you know, at some point you've just got to get over the line because otherwise it just gets unbelievably frustrating. And, um, the, the great thing is, and it's funny, I, I was, you know, I think like most fans, possibly like yourself, for me, the absolute priority this season, if, you know, when we were going for both, when we were in a good position for both, and the question was asked, which one would you rather win? I said in an instant the league, and I, and I stand by that. Yeah. But actually, having won the Champions League, that was, I mean, it was more than a consolation in the end. It was an absolute yeah. magical, It's a bigger trophy. Win. Yeah. Yeah, and just to do it in the way we did Not it. Not literally you know, a bigger trophy, I mean, it is. 
but yeah, yeah well, it, it, it means be, more in the world. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have to ask uh, Jordan Henderson at the end of next season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it for me getting that um, Premier League title uh, monkey off our back is the the is is huge and it almost feels like like more of a catalyst because it I don't know is it is it easier to win a cup competition than a than a, a league competition because you can have sort of a few more like um i mean we lost three games in the champions league uh, four sorry in the champions league um and we only lost one in the league and we didn't win it so like does that mean it's technically easier to win because you you don't have to win every game or mm. you know and obviously it's over more games so like i mean i guess you could definitely say that in in 2005 it was easier for that team because it didn't do very well in the league um mm. so i was thinking like winning the league would be more of a catalyst to go on um but I didn't think we were going to finish with 97 points, which is yeah. an incredible, like, show of, um, uh, of uh, you know, just improvement over last season. Yeah, I think I think winning the Champions League this year was really important for winning the league next year as well, because I think if we hadn't won the European Cup this year, forget, let's say, just for what argument's sake, we didn't even get to the final, just say we lost in the semis for an argument's sake. Yeah. I think going into next season, I think the players would be in a real bad way psychologically to have got 97 points and not won the league because they they yeah. thought how can first of all how the hell can we not win the league with 97 points but also they would know they're probably unlikely to get 97 points again so they already go into into the new season in a negative mindset saying we can't get more points than we did last year that's a horrible kind of mindset to have but i think what now winning the european cup i think will make them feel so good about themselves and they will think we're a bloody good team you know okay we probably won't get 97 points again, but we are a very, very good team. Look, and we've got proof of it. We've got tangible proof. Look at this trophy we've won. So I think they will go into the next season quite bullish about their chances of of taking on City again. And and maybe okay, they won't. Maybe they won't get 97 points, but maybe City won't get 98 points. And I just think they'll go in with so much more confidence. I think winning the Champions League this year in itself was a great achievement, but I do think it gives us um, a real positive springboard in terms of the league campaign. You know, next season. Yeah, we've got all these fun other little trophies to be in as well. Like, um, first of all, the Community Shield, and then the Super Cup, and then the World yeah. Cup. So it'll be it'll be it'll be quite a fun, potentially trophy laden season. Yeah, um, well, it could be four trophies next season. I know six, I guess, if you count the uh, league and the uh, yeah, sorry, the FA Cup and the Carling Cup as well. So yeah, six bits of silverware next year. I think it's probably unlikely, but yes, yeah, it's, it's possible. Um. You said Carling Cup. I don't know if you're going to get in trouble for that using uh, the wrong name. Let's call it the League Cup. League, did I say Carling? Sorry, where are we? Yeah. Yeah, Carabao. Carabao. Yeah. League Cup, the Carabao Cup, whatever it's called. I'd rather yeah. have a Carling. Well, yeah. would I? Yeah, I don't know. I've never tried a Carabao. Um, so I was just going to say, like, so was that your favourite moment then in the season, do you think, um, the uh, the Barcelona comeback? Other than the, the final, I, I, I want to discount that. Yeah, I think was there another fine. special moment? You said no, Origi's goal against Everton too. That was yeah, hilarious. Well, and yeah, well, I think yeah, I think the Barcelona game, without a doubt, beyond the final was the highlight of the season. I mean, it's you know, I think nobody's disputing the fact that Liverpool's greatest European night at Anfield, which is saying yeah. something given the nights we've had there. So yeah, that and was, that Scouse corner just yeah. I mean, that's the one I think I'm going to watch the highlights of the most till I die, yeah. rather than the uh, the final. Um, it's you know it's about the journey yeah now that that Barcelona game was just remarkable but as an individual moment as just a single little individual moment I think what you just said there uh Divock Origi's goal against Everton was just unreal I mean you 
I think, literally. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the point How I was about to make, it, is that, you know, you think you've seen everything in football, and then something completely unexpected comes along. I mean, I was, in, I was fortunate enough to be in the ground, I was with my brother, and, you know, we, I think we were both kind of edging towards the exit when, when the, um, you know, we're still in our seats, but we were edging towards the exit when the, you know, when that moment happened, and you just like, as I say, you think you've seen everything, and then you see a 96 minute winner like like that. It was just, and against what was so funny about the goal was Everton fans. I don't know if it was picked up on television, but Everton fans obviously um, listeners to this may not be aware, but the, the away end is obviously at the opposite end of the cop. They're in the corner at the Anfield Road, and, and the Everton fans decide setting off flares to celebrate a nil-nil draw, which in itself is pretty pathetic. They always but made also... this mistake. They did that against uh, um, when Mane scored, didn't they? Throw yeah, the flare. Yeah. Was yeah, it? Yeah, so, yeah, I think that was right in the 2016 game. But they're setting off flares to celebrate a <laughs> nil-nil draw, which is pretty pathetic in itself. <laughs> but then for, um, for Igi then to score was just so funny. I mean, the, the, I could see... Bruce yeah, I was like laughing and like cheering. It, it was it was the bizarrest thing because yeah. the let-off in the pub where we were watching was incredible. But I was, I was laughing as much as I was... Um, cheering, yeah. Because so Van Dyke, a... I remember just screaming at Van Dyke because I don't this calm player just like absolutely slashing at his the last possible chance when he had a bit more time to take it down. And um, it's just unbelievable. I don't know why he didn't leave it or just te- like knock it over for a corner. I don't know. The goalkeeper, it, it's inexplicable. Yeah, I mean, and, I think and then for it was... to bounce twice and and then yeah. into a reason. I think he uh, said he was trying to stop Pickford. He was trying to stop giving a corner. Away. I think yeah, it makes argument. sense. But, just madness. Uh, like, right, it was still a crazy decision. But yeah, yeah, it was just as an individual moment. I think it was. It wasn't just the hilarity of it, which is obviously in itself is a great moment. But I think it was just, as I said, the type of goal I've never seen before. I've never seen, no. let alone a 96 minute winner, just in itself. You know, that could have happened in the 50th minute. It still would have been absolutely crazy. So um, I think as a little individual moment, that that's probably it. But I think as yeah. a game, bar the final, definitely Barcelona at home. That was that was remarkable. So would that would that be your favourite goal, or do you have another special one? Um, no, I think I probably will say Divock Origi. Yeah, I think just to go to the final, I think his goal in the final was it was, it was just so huge as well because you know I think all of us were probably quite tense at that stage, and you know Tottenham had played well and we hadn't played particularly well, and you know you're thinking, I you know me again being a pessimist, thinking oh, Spurs are going to get late equaliser here, it's going to go to extra time, we're going to lose, and that that moment when Origi's shot, you know the ball goes past Lloris's dive and into the net. You know, there's still three minutes left, but that's the moment where you think you know you've won the European Cup, and to have a moment where you know you've won this this huge trophy is, is absolutely massive. So that was that was a great. It was just a great moment. Yeah, yeah. just just that goal. You know, that's a vision I'll see until I die. I think that ball going past Lloris's hand into the net. It was just in itself a, a just a, a wonderful moment. Yeah, it was the, the sense of relief and, and yeah. joy. And just feeling like we're we're back. We finally, I don't want to say got what we deserved because you I mean it's hard to really deserve things in in football. But like the, the hard work under the players and the Klopp, the losses turning into a win finally was just incredible. Um, so yeah, um, we've talked a lot about Origi. I was going to ask you, you know, who your sort of uh, standout player was in in a sort of surprising, um, uh, yeah, biggest surprise package. I mean, you can say Origi again if you want, or is there someone else that um, either in a negative way or a positive way um, kind of surprised you? Yeah, well, I think Origi obviously is, you know, the the standout player in the sense that he's, you know, he scored three huge goals for us. You know, the Everton goal, the the Barcelona goal and and the Tottenham goal. And obviously got a big goal against Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. 
which ultimately didn't count for a lot. But I think the real kind of standout player from a kind of surprise point of view this season was was Joel Matip. I thought had an absolutely brilliant season in the end. He obviously, when he first joined, there was you know he, he looked quite impressive. You know that that first season he came, which I think was twenty sixteen seventeen. Um, and then obviously just been hampered by injury since then. And then when he was playing, he didn't look particularly impressed, didn't look very strong. But I thought, you know, when he came in for, for Joe Gomez at the sort of back end of the season, I mean, he'd been playing intermittently between before then. But when he had that real run of games after Gomez got his injury in December, I just thought he looked absolutely brilliant. And there were some games where he was arguably the best player on the pitch, you know, and he's playing alongside Van Dijk, you know, so that's, that's some statement. But... I just thought he, he had a brilliant season and, um, yeah, thoroughly impressed with, with Joel Matip. And as things stand, I don't think we're going to sign a centre-half this summer. So, as a new season start, I, I would go with Matip and Van Dijk. I know a lot of people say get Gomez straight back in there, but I think Gomez has to earn his place. I, I really do. I think, you know, if you're asking me now, I'd go with Matip and Van Dijk. I think they've produced a, a fantastic uh, partnership. Yeah, it, it has been incredible. I, I've, I've always quite liked um, Joel Matip, but, yeah, he definitely seemed like he was the fourth best um centre back of the club and it, it was it, it was uh, phenomenal to see him now start in the in the Champions League final um after he'd been written off by many and and you, you wouldn't have thought he'd be there just because of um Gomez starting the season so well and then Lovren being the, the um first choice mm-hmm. previous season. Um there's quite a few surprises uh, really in that sense. Yeah I thought I think some might say yeah, Jordan as well. Yeah Henderson had a I think the big thing with Henderson was, you know, that shift of position after yeah. um, Fabinho no, established himself. Yeah, and the Southampton game in, in particular. That yeah, yeah, that was a real standout moment. And he had a fantastic end of the season. I, thought he was, I actually thought he was great in the Bayern home leg. I think he's probably the best player on the pitch, but he just had a fantastic end of the season. I think another player deserves mention because now he feels very established, but I think you've got to remember 12 months ago, his position was severely under threat, and that was Gini Wijnaldum. Because I think when Fabinho and Kaita both signed, everyone thought, or most people thought, Obviously, those two will play, and then it will be probably Henderson uh, alongside them. And that's, so I think the, the, yeah. the sense was that Ronaldo's position was severely under threat. He he went on to have a brilliant season. He had a little bit of a lull, kind of around the spring. I think I think Tynes caught up with him, but yeah, for, uh, bulk of the season, I thought I thought he was brilliant. Um, he had a fantastic season, and yeah, so he was another one. And obviously, the fullbacks just I don't know if you count them surprise packages. They but you know they were both absolutely exceptional. Yeah, they yeah. surpassed uh, expectations hugely as well. So um, no, but I think Henderson's definitely worth a shout as well. I think this kind of the doubt over him's kind of gone a little bit now. I think whether he starts, he's still a strange one with Henderson because I don't expect him to necessarily start a lot of games next year. I think Fabinho is an absolute must now. He's a sort of first name with team sheet type status. Um, Genie will play a lot of games and you'd think sort of Naby Keita will get a few games now as well so I think Henderson will play he'll get a decent number of games but he'll be a bit in and out I think which is a bit odd given he's the captain of the team It is really odd yeah because he's not that you would say he's a nailed on starter but now with other players in different positions around him yeah, it's hard to say is he the best person in this position anymore even though he does extremely well yeah, yeah, and yeah. Chamberlain's to come in as well. Milner will get a bit of game time as well. I mean, Milner is another one who's definitely worth a mention. I thought he, his contribution this season was was fantastic as well. Uh, I mean, yeah. so many players. It's hard to pick out anyone. Yeah, no, it is. Really. It is because they were all fantastic, really. Yeah, it's it's funny as well. Like last season, not last season. Um, Kiev, the starting midfield of Genie, Milner, and and Henderson were were like forced to be in there. I think mm-hmm. Henderson would be the only one at that point who would have started it had everyone had been fit. And it's incredible to see how like that sort of only people available um, midfield 
played such a huge part in this this season. When you, I remember seeing a graphic before the end of, um, sorry, before the beginning of last season of like Fakir in the middle with uh, Keita and Firmino around him, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and obviously yeah. the Fakir bit didn't happen. But you just yeah. thought we're going to have a brand new midfield next season, and and people have said that this is our weak spot, mm. so we're going to be we're going to be great. But really, um, you know, it's I mean, it takes time for players to come in and establish themselves, and Keita was obviously unfortunate with injury a lot. But uh, it's amazing how how much. Um, Genie took on from last season's good performances towards the end, and Milner was obviously hanging around and and um, sorry, not just hanging around, but being a huge part of the team. Even if even if people did call it the Brexit midfield when he started, but um, you know, a, a key performer in the season. Like there's so many players who had such key roles to play. It, it's almost hard to think back of how everyone managed to have those moments when you've only got a certain amount of games and and starting birds like even Gomez the beginning of the season, like just incredible partnership he made with um, Van Dijk and setting yeah. us up for that sort of unbeaten start. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm certainly not, you know, I mean, I, I, in terms of Gomez's state as the club, I certainly want him to stay and I certainly seen him and Van Dijk is a long-term um, centre-back partnership, but I just feel certainly going into the new year, he has to really, yeah. he has to fight Matty. He going does, back yeah. To the midf- going back to the midfield, I think, those three that you mentioned, Henderson, Milner and, and Wijnaldum, they all had fantastic seasons. But I think we have to have real caution about those three constantly playing. I think we shouldn't forget when they when they play, I think Liverpool's midfield does, when they all play together as a three, Liverpool's midfield, I do think, looks quite stodgy. I think the obvious example yeah. of that was Paris Saint-Germain away when they all played. And Liverpool's midfield just got completely overrun in that game, looked really poor. Um Fabino it was his go-to, wasn't it? A lot of games. It was surprising. Well, it was his. It was his big. It was his kind of big game midfield. Yeah. Probably. I think they all played away at City as well. For me, Fabino simply must start in midfield every game he's available next season. I yeah. think he had a brilliant season. Sort of once he got established in the team around mid-December. I think the Man United game was a big moment for him. He was excellent in that game uh, at Anfield. I think he has to start, and then it's another two. And there is competition. There's very healthy competition there. Obviously. Um, I'm hoping Naby has a good season. Obviously, very disappointing from this year. You know, in and out of the team, injuries, as you say, causing problems. But he, you still feel he's got a big future. Genie, I want to see obviously a lot, but they'll compete. Then when Henderson, Milner will get, I think, probably reduced game time, but will get decent game time. And obviously, Oxlade Chamberlain's coming as well. I'm guessing. I, mean, I don't know if he's going to stay at the club, but it feels like the Lana's time is over. I think he probably has to move on. But those yeah, it's interesting, but even he had like quite um, in the the few games he did play. I was watching um, some, I think it was like a highlights reel of like every Salah goal or every Mane goal. I can't remember. I think it was Mane. But anyway, like the amount of times I saw Lalana there celebrating with him, I was like, I don't remember him playing that much. But he had yeah. um, when he came in, he he, he did uh, he did all right. It is it is strange, isn't it? Because apparently he said he's um, he knows his, he's got a big part to play in this in this team still. But I would agree with you. It is odd to think of him as being um, still around, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of looking here myself in terms of how many games he played. It did... Yeah, he had... I mean, it's hard to count. I've just sort of got a list up here. I mean, he, he's had sort of... He's had, so I can see it. Yeah, he had 16 appearances last season. I mean, some of those are going to be as a sub. So, yeah. he got a decent amount of game time, but I, I just feel... You know, I like the liner a lot, but I just feel, you know, his time's kind of really come away. He's 31 now as well. I think... Yeah. It would be in the best interest of him and, and the club if he was to move on and, you know, he can get regular football. But he's probably very keen to stay. He's obviously part of a, an amazing, uh, successful squad. So he, he may want to stick around, but I think his time has come and gone. And I think Liverpool's pool of midfields next year should be, you know, uh, Fabinho, Cater, Wijnaldum, Milner, Helner, uh, Milner, Henderson and, and Oxlade-Chamberlain. And you could even argue, does Liverpool need 
actually another creative player in there. Not not a sort of Lalana type, but you know, someone who fills the void that Coutinho left in a way. You know, I don't think for, they'll go in for Fakir again. But I mean, one one thought I've had is possibly moving Firmino into a more midfield role. Uh, I absolutely love Bobby to death, but maybe you know he just maybe we do need a proper centre forward alongside Mane and Salas and Salas and maybe moving Firmino into more sort of number ten type role, and then going out signing. Is that Brewster or is it? Yeah, go on yeah, then, exactly. Well, sign is it Brewster or is it? Or do you you know Surridge has gone obviously, but do you sign someone? It's not something I'm necessarily saying is the case, but I think mm. it's worth considering because I think you've got to look at the fine margins now. Liverpool, it's all about fine margins. We're a very good team, but we just need to make small but very significant changes, and that's tough when you're at the level we are because it's it's nothing glaringly obvious. But you know, you look at City that I mean, they've got so many goals in their team, and I, I yeah. do feel maybe we need a few more goals. We get a lot of them, but maybe we need a few more. So, how do you get the goals? Well, the obvious thing is you sign a centre forward, but if you sign the centre forward, he has to play because you you, know, you need to get top centre forward, you need to get high quality centre forward. So, if he plays, what does that do to Firmino? Well, then, as I said, do you maybe drop him into a sort of midfield role so you could have a mid, you know, could Firmino play in midfield as a number 10 alongside Fabino and you know, Naby or Henderson or Genie. I don't know. I don't know. He definitely does drop deep score. sometimes. I mean, it wouldn't be totally foreign to him, but no, it is, exactly, it is yeah. quite different, yeah. Yeah, it would be a huge, huge shift, as you say. Um, and uh, who that centre-forward then is, don't, I don't know. I yeah, genuinely don't know who the centre-forward is going to be. But it's just, yeah, it's a react. You know, that'd be interesting to see next season, maybe. Give Rooster some games, you know, because I know Klopp does rate him highly. He's a very, very talented young player. I'm not saying he's a starter, but yeah, drop him in, see what he can do. And then maybe, you know, incrementally increase his game time, start giving some starts. And then maybe long term, he's the answer. He's the centre forward that can, you know, get Liverpool the, the extra number of goals they need to, to win the league. I don't know. All right. Well, uh, let me ask you some a uh, couple of questions I outsourced. So Michael Shaw on um, on Facebook asked me, um, as an established journalist with colours nailed to the Masters Liverpool fan, do you feel that you get different assignments from your gaffer? And do you feel you can be honest when we're shite? <laughs> I think um, I know the answer to the second one. I've seen you, be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Um, no, in terms of assignments, I mean, I've co- I didn't actually cover Liverpool at all last season, but I, that, I'm I'm very sure that wasn't intentional on the part of you know my editor. I, the season before, actually, I'd, I'd covered us a, a quite a few times. I mean, the way it works at our place and, and most certainly most newspapers in 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 England is we have dedicated reports for a certain regions. So we have a Merseyside reporter who's, at, who's Andy Hunter at, at The Guardian. So he covers most, you know, he'll cover 95% of Liverpool games because he's based up in Liverpool, I'm based in London. So I don't cover Liverpool regularly, purely for that reason, because we have someone dedicated up there. But I, I've never been told, oh, because you're so open about supporting Liverpool, we can't send you to support Liverpool. That's never been a problem. In terms of criticising them, I mean... Yeah, anyone who follows me on, on Twitter will know. You know, I'll you know I'll criticise the team happily. You know, not happily. Obviously, I don't want to criticise them, but I will freely criticise them if if I feel they they deserve criticism um, and obviously praise them if if they deserve praise. I think the one issue covering them, which can be quite tricky, is you is you don't want to come across as a as a fan with a laptop. You know, so I'm really worried about coming across as a bit of a fanboy when I when I write about Liverpool. But what that leads to is kind of overcompensating the other way. So mm. I think there's probably been times in the past where I've been overly critical of Liverpool or or have underplayed how well they've played because I'm conscious people know I'm a Liverpool fan. I don't want to come across as you know a bit of a propagandist. So that can happen yeah. as well. But I'm certainly not stopped from covering Liverpool because of because of my affiliation to them. And I'm certainly not I certainly don't hold back in criticism if if I feel it's due. All right, yeah. Um, and this is on from uh, Keith Fletcher. This is it's a tough one to uh, answer. I was trying to think about it myself. 
but we'll, we'll have a go. Um, what were the obvious signs from the season before last in 2017-18 with the benefit of hindsight that we'd amassed 97 points? Yeah, so like is... now looking back, like how it's even hard to read that. Um, looking back, <laughs> <laughs> looking back on us in uh, seventeen eighteen, where we finished fourth, yeah, and we get to the Champions League final. Can you look back at that now and say, this is why we got ninety seven points the next season? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I didn't <laughs> think I didn't think in our my wildest dreams that Liverpool would get ninety seven points at the end of end of the seventeen eighteen season. You know, we'd had a brilliant season. We finished with seventy five points. Uh, Virgil van Dijk had come in halfway during the season and and was you know a huge immediately uh, huge immediate upgrade on on you know on our yeah. defence. So and I Andy Robertson too, like he Moreno started that season. It's yeah, kind of yeah. Well, Robertson sort of established himself sort of around December. I remember it was away at yeah. Brighton actually. I remember the, I remember the game quite well as when we were beaten five one. I think at the start of December. So obviously, I felt going into the, the season that's just gone the eighteen nineteen season that we'd be much better defensively. So you thought we, better defence plus. The goals we've got up front, we should do well. And that's why I was saying earlier, I thought we'd definitely finish top four and probably top three and very good chance of being, you know, the, the main challengers to Man City. But I had no, no, nothing, you know, if someone had told me at the end of, the, you know, coming away from Kiev that we'd get 97 points following the year, we'd only lose uh, one league game. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, not, not case not believing them, but I would have had doubts, shall we, shall we say, because that is an absolutely ludicrous total. I mean, that is, that is championship winning totals you know that yeah. is and improvement on last season it, i mean city yeah. didn't jump to 100 points um from nowhere did they yeah i mean well they, when they won the league in in 1718 100 points hadn't won the league the season before so that was a you know that was an enormous jump um i just was it as that was it as big though i mean that yeah i don't know what they got yeah i don't know what they got doesn't matter but yeah, yeah. it, it <laughs> Well, they, they had, they've they had, been like building for longer uh, with yeah, money. They hadn't even finished second the season that uh, before they got 100 points. They hadn't even finished second in the league. Yeah, you know, right. I think, um, it was Guardiola, Tottenham wasn't it? had, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so, All right, yeah, forget, so it was a huge. Yeah, I said that. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. But um, no, I, th- I, I felt, as I said, I felt we'd improve on 17 18 in 18 19. I thought we'd get more points. I thought we'd be better defensively, but I didn't think we'd get 97 points. There was no indication for me in 17 18 that we'd we'd get that total yeah all right then finally what, what are your goals for next season Just like trophies player performances league places maybe a signing um signings are really difficult it's hard to I, I don't think you know i am curious about whether Klopp might look to address the the creative part of the team you know whether he thinks he's got a nice pool of midfielders but they're all a little bit similar and whether he thinks we need someone who's a bit more creative you know he did definitely try and go for Fakir so I don't think all the talk is he won't go for him specifically again but whether he goes for a similar type player yeah. or whether he feels Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, covers that gap that yeah. side I think the first 11 is is fine I don't think there's any need for any improvement so it's a couple of squad players I think he definitely needs a backup left back for Robertson Yeah. Um, if Klein is going he needs a backup right back for, for Trent I think that's important because those two guys were incredible last year and he, they, they, you know they, play, they we were lucky because they, they stayed essentially stayed injury free that's not going to be the, the case next season so yeah and I, I did actually, inform us when uh, we, we had lots of issues at right back in particular yeah well, I was just about to say that well that, if you go back Sorry. to that Leicester game that was when Trent um was out and Henderson played it right back, didn't he? And he struggled in that yeah, game. Yeah, because Milner had been sent off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that is. Oh wait, that was yeah. There was a couple around that time when lots of changes around. around yeah. There. So I think we definitely need to look at the backup 
fullback situation. In terms of goals, yeah, let's go for the league again. Obviously, that's the one we all want. Um, let's push City hard. I think we will push them hard. I think we'll we'll we can't close. Well, if we close the gap, we'll win the league. Obviously, so we can't get much closer to them. But let's just be you know let's just be on their tails. And if if they do have a bit of a lull, it's hard to see with them because their squad is just so ridiculously deep. Yeah. They can always just bring on players to win games. That you know that that was the thing that really freaked me out last season in a way was I, I didn't often look at City starting eleven when, when they were playing. I was looking at their bench and just thinking, well, look, if they're struggling this game, they can bring him on or him on or him on. And that's why I always kind of felt they would just keep winning games. But And we haven't got that depth. Um, you know, no. it's hard to have that depth. So, But yeah, in terms of goals, I think it's really hard to see this team improving much more. So they, they just they just got to try and... I think that's hard in itself is to maintain the levels had this season. So if they can get anywhere near 97 points, get even 90 points, 91 points, that would be incredible. And obviously, I think what's going to be so great next year is when we play in the Champions League next year, we play as holders. You know, that is a, that, I'm so looking forward to watching us at Anfield and going to European away games and, and watching the Champions of Europe play. So that would be great. Um, I think what's really important for the team is just what I said is about sort of maintaining that level because in previous seasons where we've had a brilliant season, i.e. sort of 2009, 2014, uh, 2002, if you remember that far back, the following year, we've had a poor season. So I think what's really important is to maintain a decent level next year. So that's, as I say, getting in the sort of late 80s, early 90s in terms of points. Yeah. And, and Yeah, I was going to say that with 08, 09, that drop-off afterwards, um, it was it was especially bad, wasn't it? Because you'd said about get, like if you get that close and don't win, the the, the sort of mental blow that is. Yeah. So luckily this not luckily, but this season we've obviously won all big ears instead. So yeah, we got that high going into it. We got that, and, and the difference between oh eight oh nine this year is oh eight oh nine we lost Shabby Alonso, which was obviously mm-hmm. a huge huge. I mean, you know, you know, arguably being our player of the year in oh eight oh nine. Um, we're not going to lose anyone major this summer. I certainly don't think we are. So the not squad. Good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the squad will be as it was, so that's good. Yeah, uh, we'll obviously add. I'm sure we'll add one or two players. So, and as you said, we've got the psychological bump of, of winning the European Cup as well. So, we're going to go into the season in pretty positive mindset. And then it's the case of kicking on and and well, not even kicking on as I said, it's sort of maintaining our level because our level the season that's just gone was absolutely exceptional. We shouldn't forget that. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't win the league, but we got a points total, which I think in every Premier League season bar two. two. Yeah. Would have won us the league. Sadly, one of those two was the season that's just gone annoyingly. Um, so it's not it's improving our level, it's kind of just maintaining it more than anything. Yeah, no, I think you're right. If we maintain, let's say we finish on 97 points and, and City's trajectory is 100 points down to 98 points, so surely they'll finish on 96 points and we'll win the league. Done. Great. I'm shaking it now. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I would say I would take us finishing with 97 points and then finishing with 96 points. Absolutely now. Let's take that. Yeah. Shake hands on it. And we'll have the Super Cup. Um, I don't care so much about the Community Shield and the World Club Cup. I'm, I'm big on that because we haven't won it. Um, and that would yeah. be a nice little treble. Yeah, actually, in all seriousness, the, the World Club Cup, it's a bit of an annoyance because of the time of year it comes and whatever you yeah. But yeah, it would, it would be nice to win that. Liverpool Football Club in the entire history have never won it. And 2005... Um, I can't remember how that went in the end. I know we lost to the, the team from Brazil in that final, didn't we? Yeah, Pascal it was horrible. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but that was a shame. I was genuinely gutted when we did. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I remember I was in China and there was this um, Brazilian woman who was who who was uh, doing the same the same score as me, and she came in and she said, yeah, "Brazil Brazilians are just better." And I just remember being fuming because it was it was there was the worst game. Brazil, the Brazilian team, like had scored early and like just totally. Um, part of the bus and we'd had like three goals that were 
questionably called as offside. I just remember being absolutely fuming and like, same as you, like just wanted to win that one because we hadn't won it before. And somehow yeah, feeling that, like a failure because we... We yeah, I think they also it. take it more seriously as well. So I think that was perhaps a difference in that game in terms of intensity levels. I don't know that it means a lot more to win it in, in South America than it does in England. So that might be an, an yeah. issue as well. I don't know. Yeah, but they still shouldn't have. Although we did have, you know, um, Cinema Pongo coming on, you know, to try and change it. And maybe he started that game, to be honest. Um, yeah. I feel like Real Madrid didn't win it last season, did they? Because didn't they have a... I can't remember who won it last year, actually, the World Club Cup. I think they did win it. I think they, they did, did? Okay. Yeah, right. I think they did. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty... pretty but yeah, it yeah, normally sure goes did. with the European champion, so yeah. let's hope we do that. Yeah. And well, Sachin, that was incredible. Thank you. That was fascinating from the beginning of uh, your origin story um, as a Liverpool fan to, uh, to current date. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Very good, man. All right. Let me... Uh, Stop this record.